Hello, Marlins fans, and welcome to a brand new episode of Swings and Mishes. Before I get into all the action with Craig, stick with me for just a minute here as I tell you about our new sponsor, Ticket Rev. I think you're really going to like them. Ticket Rev is the first ever reverse marketplace for event tickets. So what that means is this. Buyers go on to TicketRev.com and create bids on events by simply choosing their preferred seating location and naming their offer price. Sellers are then able to see those bids and accept a bid matching the ticket's location and sell instantly. No more having to list on StubHub, Facebook, or wherever else for tickets to games or concerts. So there's advantages for both parties here. If you're the seller, you get not only a better commission than the rest of those sites, but you can sell your tickets instantly. You never have to list them on sale again. And if you're the buyer, you now have increased flexibility. You can choose your seat and you can name your price. It's better ticket deals and buyers finally can help determine their own pricing. Plus, we have a deal for you right now. A promo code on TicketRev.com. And that promo code, as always, is SWINGS. So all you need to do is go to TicketRev.com. That's TicketRev.com. And use the promo code SWINGS for $20 off your first bid. That's 20 bucks off your next tickets to a Marlins game. Guys, that pays for parking itself. Just go to TicketRev.com and use our promo code SWINGS. And we'll see you out there at Lone Depot Park. Now, let's get to the podcast. Hello, Swings and Mishes fans, and welcome to the final regular season episode of Swings and Mishes for this season. I'm your co-host and producer, Jeremy Taché, joined by the man who's been on every one of these podcasts. Well, I guess except for when Daniel Alvarez was here for one, and that's Craig Mish. Craig, how are you doing on this final Friday of the regular season? The month of October is here. (laughs) Very excited for the postseason. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I'm I'm loving what's ahead of us here. I think that it's going to be a lot of fun. We got these wild card races, the American League going down to the end. The Cardinals got in. The Braves have clinched. Everyone's going to probably root against the Astros. You know, mm-hmm. we got I mean, nobody likes Tony Larusa. Like, I, and there, there's a <laughs> lot of really good storylines. I yep. mean, are you kidding me? We got Kershaw facing off against Wainwright in a wild oh card gosh. game next week. I, I mean, we. I mean, this is going to be. This is going to be awesome. And um, I mean, Seattle, right. <laughs> I mean, the, the Mariners are in this thing, uh-huh. like down to the end. Like what business do they have, uh, you know, being in this? Uh, you know, I, I thought that they were still rebuilding, I guess not. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's it's going to be, I think, one of the better uh, postseasons coming up. You have a lot of intrigue. I'm, I'm kind of, in a way, sort of hoping uh, Toronto gets in because I think that they're a fun team, too. So I don't know how fun. far they'll get, but um yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to this. I, I I can't wait to to start seeing this next week, especially that wild card game in particular with LA. I believe it's right. It's LA St. Louis. That's done. Oh right? my god! Yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. that's gonna be that's gonna be some experience to watch that with two guys who could have pitched in a wild card game ten years ago. Right. Exactly. And, and they're it's pitching amazing. and they're gonna pitch in this. So, yeah. Uh, Marlins wise, we're coming to the end, but you know, baseball wise, I, I, we're far from the end. So I'm excited. Right. It's it's as excited as I've been for an MLB postseason in a long time. Like there are just storylines abound, like you just mentioned. I mean, they're everywhere. Obviously, though, on our end, we're here to talk Miami Marlins and that season is coming to a close. There will just be a couple of games here in October. 
Craig, I'm just sort of looking for your overall feel of the organization as this season winds to a close. Yeah, look, I, I think that I, I think that for anybody who is, is kind of paid attention to my comments here or in the Herald or on social media, I, I think it's it's been very obvious how critical and how how tough I have been on the organization the last couple of months. And it is, it is you know, and, and it kind of happened right after the the trade deadline for me. I spent mm-hmm. a lot less time going to the games and more focusing on um, the football season, which was coming up for my role at SportsGrid. And I've talked about that before, where if, if the Marlins are still in it, I mean, the, the people at SportsGrid absolutely understand what I do. And, 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 I, and I think if the Marlins ever make a postseason run and, and, and willing, I'm still, you know, working for sports grid. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'll be just as much into that as I am in football, but there was just no reason. Like well, once July 31st came and it was like, okay, like, you know, that's it. I was <laughs> right. like, all right, well, I guess that's it for me too. And so <laughs> I, I think I only went to one or two games after the trade deadline, although I am uh, going on Friday night because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously these are, these are people that I cover I, I do take responsibility for the things that I say, whether they are good or whether they are bad. And so I'm going to show my face there one more time. If anybody has anything positive or negative to say to me about hmm. things that I say, you know, uh, Friday night's going to be the night for that. So just uh, just make that clear. So given that that is the case, I, I will say that that I believe that uh, once again, for the work that I have done this season, I, I feel like the organization has still uh, treated me fairly. I think that they uh, have understood the nature of the season. And so the comments, I have gotten very little uh, flack uh, over the mm. course of the season, a little bit right at the trade deadline, but but not much uh, after that, um, you know, just kind of like understood, like, hey, like mm. the team stinks, like what, what are you going to say? Right. So that 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 to me is a little bit refreshing i you know they've they've been you know they you know the one thing somebody commented to me yesterday about like they're a bunch of liars and they're lying about things like i i think that that is the opposite like this organization is very truthful and very honest they're wrong a lot and that's the problem Hmm. is that like you know the comments are wrong and the play the player evaluations have been wrong but but they are telling you what they believe and so i think that there is an inherent difference in the two of those things it's not like they're just coming out and lying like the previous regime did about a lot of different things like that. That's not happening. It's just their evaluations are wrong. And so when they say a player like Isan Diaz is turning the corner or something like they believe that. So mm-hmm. I know some people would rather them lie. And, and <laughs> if that's the case, then, then I think that you're dealing with the wrong people. That's why I like these people. That's why I'm rooting for these people because they have been truthful, mm-hmm. but the evaluations have been bad and the development on the offensive side, particularly has been really bad in four years. I mean, we are here heading into year five and you cannot go into next season and outside of jazz potentially say that they have developed a single player offensively that you know is going to be a star in five years. That's a long time. Like that's a long yeah. time to not have that. And they have a lot of guys in the minors. And um, I do want to also add that in the Herald, we had that uh, we had that column, Barry Jackson and I, and, and I, um, you know, just to be clear, and I fully support everything that Barry does and, and so thankful for all the work that Harold gave me this season. Uh, but, but that was Barry's, uh, you know, the, 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 the source of the scout that, 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 that was with Barry. And so I, I mm. don't disagree. I don't agree with a lot of the things um, that this, I thought it was very harsh on a lot of the players. Mm. And, and I, and I personally 
feel differently about it. And from my people that I've spoken to about a lot of them, hmm. uh, but some of their, some of that was truth. I mean, in my opinion, like they really have not <laughs> in five years given me a guy and said, Hey, that's a star on the team next year. And you know, he's hitting 30 and you know, I mean, like outside of jazz who looks like he is a, a starter and everyday regular player and, you know, has had some struggles defensively and struck out. But I mean, realistically speaking, um, you know, he's a starter on every big league team. I mean, he's a good player, but, right. but, be, but beyond that, you know, that that's kind of where we're at. Jeremy is that the lack of offensive development have, has put this organization in a position to have to deal from a position of strength, which appears to be starting pitching. That's you know, clearly not a guarantee, but it appears to be that. And so my guess is uh, one or two things are going to have to happen in the offseason. Either they're going to have to dig into the wallet and and get some free agents, which clearly should not have been the plan. It should not have been. They should have developed offensive players to the point where they could have added pieces to the puzzle. Instead, they have to create a puzzle in the offseason. I don't, I don't believe that that was their plan four years ago, but that's where they have to do. Or they have to trade from this position of strength and make some very uncomfortable, painful trades in the offseason where we're you're not going to be happy with the deals that are made. You're going to go, you're going to be very upset when they trade some of their star pitching prospects or even big league pitchers to add offense to the team. And so mm-hmm. that's where we're at. It's been a really hard season for me, for sure. One of the toughest seasons I can ever remember covering or watching, just because I just didn't care for almost two months. It was really, really painful, but I will say that the organization in terms of my relationship uh, has not changed very. I respect them still very much. A lot of really good people uh, that I believe in that are working there, but this is a results driven business, Jeremy, and the results in 2021 were well below, well below expectations for them, for them. So anyone who says differently, that this was not supposed to be a year that they were competing and this was just supposed to be another development year, you are completely and totally wrong because if that is the case, and that is true, then I was lied to. Then I was not told the truth. And I believe they've always told me the truth and still continue to tell me the truth. And so unless I was just flat out lied to by a lot of people in the organization, uh, it's a big dismal end to a season where they thought they'd be a lot better and uh, unfortunately, here we are. But fortunately, here we are, too, because it's over. Yeah, well, and not to not to go plug another podcast, but I spoke to Trevor Rogers this week, and he said the same thing you're saying right now, which is, this is a disappointment. We were expected to compete for the division, and we did not do that. And we are disappointed. We are pissed. And that's throughout the organization. I'm sure it's not just the players. It's got to be from top to bottom that that's the expectation. And even if you want to be you know, kind on, on the hitting level and look at Sanchez or Diaz or anybody. These are guys that were also acquired. It's not like the Marlins really developed them through their system either. These were guys who were in other organizations and had to be traded for once they had reached a certain level of the minor leagues. So when we're talking about hitting development, Jazz is another one who they traded for who was already at a certain point. So it does make you wonder about the guys that they develop all the way through the system. But as we do head toward 2022, and you mentioned there's trades, there's free agency. What do you see the direction being for this franchise as they head into the offseason? What do you anticipate? Yeah, I, I, I think that that some money will be spent. I do think that. I don't know exactly what. I don't know exactly how. I've talked about this previously. 
the track record, even on a smaller level of free agents in this organization in four years has been extremely poor. They have not spent small and gotten back big results. Um, it just has not happened. It happens with every team in Major League Baseball. Sometimes you throw a dart and it lands in the middle. And, and that is the key to building a really good organization. You take your shots. Sometimes they work. Sometimes they don't. As a matter of fact, if out of 10 darts you throw in terms of that money, if only one or two hits, it's still terrible. But at least we would have that and we would be able to say that. And in general, they had just have not hit on any on any offensive players. Clearly, Anthony Bender has turned out to be a really good position piece. But they have not hit on any of the offensive pieces thus far. And it's a major problem. So it forces them again into the position of either A, spending money, and they were clearly willing to give Starling Marte $40 million or so. Okay. Right. So start there. You know, you know, that's the benchmark. Okay. They're willing to do <laughs> that. They appear willing to give Sandy Alcantara a long-term extension, which is going to be, I think, more friendly for the team than it than I think Sandy in the end probably could get more money but I, I, I sure I'm getting the feeling that this is going to be more of a friendly type deal because the CBA is coming up a decision has to be made Sandy can set himself up for life now right and that's very important and I'm not saying this is like the Acuna friendly deal or the Albies hmm. friendly deal but I do think that It'll, it'll be a very good deal for both sides. Sandy will be set for life. The Marlins will be comfortable with that. inevitably when that ends up happening. Sure. So I don't want to get people too excited because again, uh, you know, in, in, in these scenarios, I could be wrong. Remember there were people who asked me if they were going to spend money the last couple of off seasons. And I said, yes, I thought they would. And they really right. did not, uh, you know, and they, it, just in general, they did not. They added some payroll with Duval and Marte, and then they just punted it all. But their payroll is so low that you mm -hmm. would think that 40, 50, 60 million dollars would be added to the payroll. So I do think that if Nick Castellanos opts out, I think that that's who they're going to pursue. I don't know if mm -hmm. they're going to get him. I don't know if they're going to sign him. But, but, but I think, I do think in my heart, and from the intel that I've gotten that I think that he is a target. I, I do think sure. they're going to try. Um, Castellanos is going to make, I believe, 20 million over the next couple of years. So he's going to be looking to add that on to whatever <laughs> right. contract. So you can just immediately pencil in two years and 40 million. Then the question is, would Castellanos take four years and 80 million or so? And would the Marlins pay that? You know, like mm -hmm. those are all things. But when Castellanos was here, and they came in town for the Reds. There were some discussions from what I understand and some statements made about the possibility of, of maybe Castellanos being potentially interested if he did opt out of, of being in South Florida and, and playing uh, relatively close to his home. Remember, he, right. was, a, he was a, a, West, a, a West guy, a Broward. <laughs> yeah. okay? so this is not a Miami yeah. guy, a West Broward guy. So let's yeah, not West Broward guys. All right. Let's, let's not confuse the two here. Everyone, oh, he's coming home to Miami. Not really. He's it's like drive when they still say, 
It's like when they say that the Canes or the the Dolphins play on South Beach. Like it's the same right. deal. It's the yeah. same thing. Yeah, American heritage. You know. Okay, so so yeah. he's the Broward guy. He's not a Dave right. guy. He's like Lazardo. He's coming home. Well, sort of. Sort of. Sort of. Right. Home. South Florida. Well, you still have to drive a long way and in traffic <laughs> a really long way. Yeah, we the, know. But I I think I think that that's I, I think there's a chance of that happening. And then of course I think that there still will be trades involved. But uh, they're, go- they're going to need a catcher of some kind. Is that mm-hmm. still going to be the case? I don't know if it's going to be one of the high-end guys or it's just somebody better than what they have, which is really easy to do to get sure. anybody better <laughs> than what they have because they have nothing. So right. they can do that. They can add a center fielder. They can add a left fielder. And I think that those will be among uh, the pursuits. And, and we're also going to find out a lot more uh, when arbitration comes up because there's a critical point there with – Jesus Aguilar, they're going to have to make a decision here in the next couple of months as to what they want to do there. So the the deal with Aguilar is that he had, I believe it was, I don't think they've reported this or not. I'm not sure. It may have been a torn meniscus. I'm not sure exactly. Mm. And I don't want to give out the wrong information. This is just something that I heard. So when you have that kind of surgery, it's a two month deal. He should be fine, by the way, for the regular season. Right. But, but remember, they did not trade Aguilar when they could have on July 31st. So they simply can't non-tender him, and that's it. Like that, right. that no, I mean, no way. That would be disastrous. I mean, that that right. would basically be a huge screw up if they did that. So they're not going to do that. But they could trade him before the arbitration, uh, or they could just basically sign him and then keep him. You know, so so you know, one of those things uh, will happen. The whole first base situation will get cleaned up a little bit. But uh, long story short, Jeremy, I <laughs> do think they're going to spend some money. I've been wrong before on that one. That's for sure. And, and I do think Nick Castellanos is going to be part of the discussion this offseason. I, I think so. And, and maybe right after we're done with this, I'll get a text saying you're off. And then I'll come back in a couple of weeks and say I was yep. off. But that's a feeling that I get. So it's a good feeling. I'm a little optimistic on that. I like that feeling. I'll tell you that. That, that that's a fun feeling. And to have a, a bat like Nick Castellanos in the lineup would be a, a welcome change to what we've seen throughout most of 2022 although you know there were their bright spots from the guys who are are mostly no longer here at this point um you know craig you have you have a good sense of of how the organization feels on a lot of these things right so we've talked about the direction we've talked about the frustration with the singular regular season but how do you believe the organization feels as a whole right now knowing where they stand and sort of where where the fan base stands with them yeah they they um you know, again, are going to be optimistic because they, mm-hmm. you know, that's just an inherent thing that if you have a job, you want to feel like you're good at your job and you want to believe that things are headed in the right direction. And so maybe, maybe they still all feel that way. I don't know. Again, I don't, I don't send out a poll and say, click this for yes or click this for no, but in the, in the, and I talk to a lot of people. So, so in, in speaking to people, I get the sense that there is a tremendous amount of pressure next season. There is a tremendous amount of pressure to show a massive improvement. Whether or not anyone listening believes that that will actually happen or not, your choice. But I, I, I would not, I, I've said this before, I would not rule out anything at all, anything at all. And like you, you say, really this? I mean, you hmm. know, fill in the blank. What? Yes, yes, fill it all in. Hmm. Um, Outside of the team being sold, don't feel like that's happened. I know some people have brought that up. That I don't think is that I don't think is in the equation. I think that uh, the ownership group is 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 firmly planted for a long time. That's the, I mean I I think that I don't know that, but I think that I do not get the sense that if 
everything went wrong last year that the team would be sold and start over again. I, I, nah, I don't, I don't get that sense. I'll have right. to dig into that, but that's not something that I think beyond that <laughs> anything is possible. <laughs> like literally you name it, fill it in. Could this happen? Could that happen? Could this person be gone? Could this person stay? Anything is possible mm. under the sun. So, I mean, going over those range of outcomes, would we could sit here and do this yeah, forever. Right. But right. major amount of, pre- massive amount of pressure to win 2022. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, well, and and we know that the coaching staff, obviously, in some ways, certain individuals on the coaching staff have sort of, you know, overachieved with guys. Others, you you could argue, obviously, the offensive production hasn't quite been there. But how does how does the coaching staff feel at the moment, and and what will the coaching staff look like going forward? Hasn't quite been there. That's nice. That's nice yeah. to say. I'm trying. You know, that's that, uh, yeah. doing the best you're, I can. You're on the wrong podcast here, Jeremy. <laughs> um. So you can't lose 95 games and bring your entire coaching staff back. I don't like to fire people. That's not what I like to do. It's a public job. If you're not doing your job in public, in any sport, it gets called out. NFL coaches, Major League Baseball managers, NBA coaches are regurgitated more than any. Maybe hockey is a little bit the same. Oh, man, yeah. But in the the NBA, it's like this guy's fired and this guy takes over this. And we all just talk about it and realize that these people don't have families. That's the hardest part of this is that like, oh, this guy should be fired or this woman should be fired. But yet they have families. And and that's the position that I'm forced to, to tackle. So unfortunately, a lot of this staff has got to go. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I'm sorry. It's yeah. just like, I'm sorry, guys. But um, Mel Stottlemyre Jr., as of, I, I mean, I guess this week, I, I don't know if he's been renewed or not. I mean, I'm going to have to ask. But I, I don't believe he has yet. And I do believe that this is a two-way street. So, and, and I think that before he signed the contract, uh, the two-year contract, it was a two-way street too. So they'll get that sorted out. I can't mm-hmm. imagine the Marlins would let him go. I, I cannot imagine that. Like, like, I mean, does he get a blank check? No, I get it. He's a pitching coach, but he's like the one guy that you look at and say, look, look at Sandy Alcantara. Right. Look at right, Pablo exactly. Lopez. And look at Trevor <laughs> Rogers. Like if you, if you let go of that, then right. you got much bigger issues. So uh, I guess, I guess that will be worked out. Sure. Beyond that. I don't know. You want to make a case for anybody staying? I mean, I can't do it. Right. I mean, I, I really can't. Uh, I've I've said that this season is not Don Mattingly's fault, and I would, you know, he, I have zero issue with him being the manager at, at mm-hmm. all. I know everyone hates him or whatever, but I mean, he was manager of the year last year. I mean, he's yeah. he's still a good manager to me. I, I I do think that. And 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 what's what's crazy is is that you know, I still obviously talk to a lot of people in the organization, and I still talk to a lot of players, and and talk to a lot of players off the record. And they really like the staff that that is there. They really do. Yep. This the uh, the the that that part of the staff. They really do. But as far as uh, you know, James Rousen, who I you know, personally like a lot, and and I think yep. that we'll still get managerial offers. I'm I'm going to guess in the off season, uh, and Eric Duncan, and. Um, you know, and their and their base coaches, like I mean, there's gonna have to be changes. You you can't lose this many. You can't lead the league in errors and pickoffs and come back mm-hmm. and say we're bringing everyone back for right. another ride. Like what it's are you, those two mind? specific stats, right? Those two right there just sum it up to lead the league in errors and pickoffs. Like I mean, that's it right there. And, and so and so the plan is is that oh, it just was bad luck. Let's just bring the whole staff back again. Like are you are you nuts? Like there's no way that that's gonna happen. So. 
uh, yeah, like you're basically your whole team's getting picked off the most in the National League in a decade. I'm whoever is responsible for that, and I'm sorry if you're listening to this, you did not do a good job uh, this season. Whoever is responsible for making sure that the team does not commit errors, I'm sorry you failed in in mm. 2021. And if it costs you your job, I'm really sorry. But the stats are there to show you that. Like if no one's listening to my podcast and it's and we're having five people listen. Craig Mish is responsible right. fully for my podcast sucking. I totally understand that. And I and I and maybe I should not be doing it. I totally agree. And the, the data would support that. The data supports a the worst defensive team in Major League Baseball and the team that was picked off the most. So whoever is responsible for those things, and I'm not 100% sure, it's a collaborative effort. Yes, okay. But someone is going to fall on the sword for this. Right. It's going to happen. And I'm and I'm sorry, but that's just the nature of the business and, and that's mm-hmm. what's going to happen. So I, I think some coaches will be gone. Yes. I, I think it has to be, it's just, it's, uh, it's, it's part of, of the story of, of 2021 who and where will we be surprised? Maybe, maybe we will, maybe we won't. We'll find out about that next week or the week after, but I would fully expect that again, you lose 95 games in a regular season. It would be disrespectful for the Marlins to bring them all back. Right or next right. year to say yeah. hey it just wasn't their fault it was all the players no it's just part of that is coaching and specifically on any level whether it's little league or anything else you you cannot allow your team to be picked off that much it, it can't it can't all just be the players yeah i mean it, it's it's one of those things where obviously there will be change both on the field and within the coaching staff and probably even within certain roles within the front office I would have to imagine when you assemble a team that looks the way that it does this season you know I I was taking a look just at the stats kind of going through and looking at everything and and Sandy obviously 200 innings he's got another start tonight to finish out the season and then I was looking at the number of innings of pitchers after that and you've got Trevor at 133 Pablo at 100 Zach Thompson at 73 and then five relievers before the next starter, who's Jesus Lazardo. Like that just shows you the type of miracle working that Mel Stottlemyre was doing with the plug and play starters on the back end of this rotation. Like to be able to piece things together at the beginning of the season when it was still going okay after Hernandez got hurt and everything there, it's just crazy the amount of guys they had to run out there. So, uh, it, it, looking- and that and that's and that's an organizational thing and that's a general yeah. manager uh thing too that that's on kim eng that that happened all season long and they were unprepared to deal with the injuries but it's happening with every single team uh, i mean no Syndergaard threw one inning you know i mean steven right, strasberg how many innings that guy throw this year i how, how bad was corbin you know like i mean yeah. every every team is every team is dealing with it but, but for me, uh, all the things that you mentioned, I mean, it still goes back to the same thing. Sandy Alcantara is a much different pitcher than he was two years ago. Absolutely. It is not, it's not close. It is not. And so who is responsible for that? I would give that guy a raise yep, because yep, yep. <laughs> you're about to hand Sandy the 30 million, 40 million. I don't know what the number is, whatever you're going to hand him over like you may want to take care of the guy that made that happen because mm-hmm. they're going to go into next season. No matter. I, I believe you know, barring some stupidity, they're going to go into next season with as good a number one and number two starter in the national league as any team in major league baseball. Correct. I mean, that's really, I mean, 
yes, the Dodgers are, are awesome. And yes, the Brewers as, are as good with Woodruff and Burns. Yes, they are as good. But the Marlins 1-2 is going to be as good as any, as any in team in baseball. And it's just <laughs> a crime that they went through this and wasting this. Like, I mean, it's crazy. Because, you know why? Because there's no guarantee it's going to happen again. Right. This could completely go the other way next year. And all of a sudden we're like, oh, look at what they wasted last year. This happens in baseball. It's very unpredictable. So assuming that it is the same, it's not a fair assumption, but assuming that it is the same, you should probably take care of, of whoever it is, uh, major league or minor league. I know Scott Aldridge's name is thrown out a lot for a lot of uh, positive positivity on the minor league level too. So I should mention that, but wh- whoever it is, is doing that job, you guys are doing a good job. So those are the guys that I would want to keep. And so, oh my gosh, can you imagine Ooh. if the season ended and then we got the email like Mel Stottlemyre Jr. and the team has decided to part ways or something like that? It would be, it would like, be really bad. It would be pretty catastrophic, I would think. So it, it's Well, it's sort of, I mean, when you talk about a pitcher like Sandy having so much success with that pitching coach, it's almost like if you were going to pay a quarterback five years, you know, the one, the huge big extension and then fire the offensive coordinator to go alongside with it. Like it would make no sense, you know? So it, it's those two things can kind of go together and be there to support one another. Okay. I'm not particularly worried about that by the way, either. I know that I know I mentioned it the other day. It was, it's not a concern for me. It's not like something where I'm saying, yeah, but, but it needs to be mentioned because the staff, the staff is, is uh, done after Sunday. Mm Mm-hmm. Some are renewed and some are kept, and and that's that's part of the equation. The other thing too is that you know, and again, you know, with the pickoffs and Keith Johnson's a first base coach, and you know, he very well liked the AAA. He got his opportunity this year. They they got they have to have a first base coach like two years in a row. Like I think, like I think that I think he's the third different first base coach mm. that they've had. And and maybe somebody's listening to this going, oh, you're totally wrong. It doesn't matter. I don't know. I, I feel like continuity does matter a little bit. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, they went from Trey Hillman to Billy Hatcher to Keith Johnson. And they, and there may have been somebody before. I, was there somebody before Trey Hillman who was the first? I, I don't even remember that. But that's three different coaches at first. Three Perry Hill wasn't the first base coach, was he? What, who? Perry Hill. He wasn't the first base coach ever, was he? Uh, he was, but. but that might have been longer ago. But, who, but I, I don't recall. I mean, maybe Trey was. Gosh, bad research on my part to not know. <laughs> I could do the same thing. I'm saying that, that when he came in, I knew they moved Trey to third base, and um, they. I, I mean, and, and I and again, I think they're gonna probably have a new first base coach next year. But but I mean, that's four years in a row of a different. And maybe that's just what happens in baseball. I, I don't know. It, it feels it feels awkward to me that you have four different coaches in four different years doing the same thing it tells mm-hmm. me that there's some sort of lack of continuity i don't know why billy hatcher wasn't renewed i'm not sure but uh yeah they've got they've they've got to get that fixed so as we do wrap up this podcast and we head toward the end of the season here this final series but also into the 2022 offseason are there i mean we've really gone through a lot here but are there any sort of final sentiments you want to leave the swings and misses listeners with as we do wrap up the regular season and the next time we talk to them will be during the off season. Yeah. You know, I, I do for, for the people who, who, especially for the people who listen to this and who follow me, I do, I am sorry that for those of you who are, you know, have had to listen to a lot of critical content and a lot of negativity from me. I am sorry for that. I, I know that a lot of people, you know, want positivity and they always want the the silver linings and they want to know what's good. And, and, and I understand that. And there are a lot of people who, 
like Jeremy, who, yeah. who are who yeah. are like that. And 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 I would encourage you. You know, there there are some positive things going on, no question. Yeah. But but the one thing that always sticks out to me the most is that when Derek Jeter, when he took over the team and, and as CEO and, and part owner, Bruce Sherman bought the team, um, you know, and they put a banner up, um, you know, in, in the, in the clubhouse at one point. And, and even going back to the first day, like there was always that sense of, and the word that they always use was accountability. Hmm. And so, and so for, and for me, it's not my job. Like I'm not getting paid like no one you know, and to do to, for the Herald and for this, like no one's paid and said, Hey, Craig, here's what we want you to do. Your job is to hmm. hold them accountable. That's not my job. It's just what I'm doing. Hmm. And, and I think that they asked from day one for accountability for the things mm-hmm. that they did. Like they just kept using that terms. Everyone needs to hold themselves accountable uh, you know, for everything yeah. that's being done. So, so who right now is holding them accountable for this disaster? Like who, who is doing it? Mm. So I guess it's me. I, I don't know. Mm. Maybe, maybe, maybe internally they have people that are holding themselves accountable, but we are just, the media here is just so soft with this that, and, and everyone has sort of pivoted over to football and look, the hurricanes have been an unmitigated mm. disaster and the dolphins Goodness. have not gotten off to a good start the heat so so people move move their in the panthers so people yeah. move their interest soccer they move it over because they know the marlins have punted on july 31st mm. they punted so so to me that's why i'm doing what i'm doing is because nobody else is nobody i mean nobody either nobody else cares or nobody else wants to do it so so that's you know that to me is mm. i leave with that as as uh, the most important thing um, I leave with the highlight of the season, I would say there was yes. one highlight in particular for me that above mm. all, I know it ended in a negative, but at the time it was really important for me because I personally do some of my best work as a reporter and as a person, uh, in front of people. It's just who mm. I am. I, I just, I feel that's one of the strengths and, and, and don't get me wrong. I'm a good texter and I'm fun, you know, with these guys. Like, look, how do you think I'm getting all the information I'm getting right now? A lot of it is calls and texts. Okay. Let's, right. It's clear, but I'm good in person. It's a strength of mine. I'm, I'm good in person. And the highlight of this season for me was being back on the field, mm. was being back in front of some of these people. And the one particular highlight more than anything else was uh, meeting face to face with Starling Marte and having him tell me that huh. he wanted to stay in South Florida. Mm. To me, that was the moment where I felt like I was back at home again, where, where I accomplished something by speaking to someone in person and developing a, you know, relationship with someone. And, and that is, and, and, and it's so important to me to have that, which is why I love spring. I have loved spring training Mm. so much because it's where I've developed my best relationships with people and staff and executives and scouts, because You've been away from the game for five months, Jeremy. Guess what happens? They all want to talk. They haven't talked about baseball for five months. Oh, here's Craig Mish. We hate him. This guy ripped us for whatever for two months, but uh, but he's here. I'm gonna talk. Heals all wounds. Yeah, let 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 me talk to this guy. Maybe maybe if I talk to him, he'll say good things about me. Sure. (laughs) Let's do that. Let's do that. So, so so. By the way, credit to the Marlins for letting me talk to Starling Marte. I don't get to talk to Starling Marte without the Marlins participation in that event. This was Mm. not something that I did. This was something they helped me with and they Mm. knew exactly which direction I was going. So 
Credit to them. They could have hid this guy from me, for sure. Starling Marte tells me, I want to stay. Hmm. And uh, can I can I tell people? Absolutely. Go ahead. In English, by the way. Go ahead. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And by the way, Craig, if you know anyone that can help with this, <laughs> tell them to. Tell them to. Really, Starling? You want me? Yeah. You. you I mean, that was a real face-to-face personal conversation. It's very cool. The highlight of the season for me not because of wins and losses or this guy was great or that, but, but for me personally being back and, and, and speaking to somebody face to face like the old days. And I know it's not how it's done anymore. It's all texting and calling, Hmm. but I'm hoping that that comes back for me again too in the spring, because it makes my job better. It makes what we do here more authentic. Mm -hmm. And I personally feel like it's a strength of mine that helps me do what I do. So um, I'll leave with that. That that to me personally as a reporter and as doing what we do, unfortunately did not work out and, mm. and they did trade the player, but that was the highlight of the year for me, Jeremy. That yeah, was just, it. just getting back in front of, in front of people, honestly, even just getting to see our fellow media members in person again was really a pleasure as well. Like it was just, it was nice to see, uh, the people that we've grown so used to seeing on that daily grind of baseball. So, and and, um, all, and also one other thing too is like you you could yeah. you could surmise well why was that why why that moment I mean you know Craig you broke up these trades and all these other things that are going on like as a reporter why that because that one was in person yeah it's face that, that was face to face yep and and to me that was like oh okay like like a we're real back. thing just happened a real yeah thing. like a real person to person. You know, I shook the man's hand and mm-hmm. we talked and I reported oh. and that and that is has been what I've done. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm 48 years old. For so like many that, years. That, that's part of that's part of doing this. And the younger players now, it's all about texting and all the other stuff. And and I, look, I'm just I'm the same way. I'm texting these guys and DMing and all that. I'm trust mm-hmm. me, I'm doing all that, too. But a very authentic moment for a great player that mm. I really had not known all that well that entrusted me to convey a message uh, is part of reporting. And that I got back in 2021. And I hope to continue to do that in 2022. And now we'll entrust you to try to recruit Starling Marte right back here to Miami. <laughs> All right. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so as we do wrap up this episode, I do want to say thank you to everyone who's listened to every episode of Swings and Mishes this season. We know that the season has been a roller coaster, as has not only our podcast, but our podcast schedule. So we appreciate you guys sticking with us through all of that. As always, like, subscribe, rate, review. And as we head into this offseason, we can promise you, you will not find better offseason Marlins coverage than right here on Swings and Mishes. Follow Craig at Craig Mish. Follow me at Jeremy Taché. Have a wonderful final weekend of the regular season. And we will talk with you all very soon.